Hey, good morning, everyone. We are, um, we're going to do something a little different this morning. How do you like doing things a little differently? Okay. Um, the bills are on this morning. So I have this, no, I'm just teasing. Um, you guys like that. You're like, wow, I'm so glad I came to church because I want to see it on a big TV. Um, we are starting a new series called Tough Questions. And uh, these questions that we're going to be looking at this morning and for the next couple of weeks are probably some of the most hot topic discussions in our culture today. And so a couple things. First of all, I want you to pray for me because some of these topics we're going to hit on are, are uh, just very sensitive. And for some of you here today, they may be very personal Uh, They may be where you're actually living in your life today and dealing with some of these things, just as you saw um, on the video. And what we want to do is um, we want to look at a biblical uh, look at these different discussions and see what the Bible actually has to say about these different things. And as we live in our world today, we are uh, inundated with technology, the Internet, where you can have all these conversations now, specifically on Facebook and other uh, social medias and, and blogs, and you can hear all this different information about what people think about different ideas and with uh, cable and uh, the ability to show so many different shows, whether it's on the History Channel or some other thing, uh, attacking or giving information about the person of Jesus or about the Bible that may necessarily not be true, uh, it can bring a lot of confusion. And so you're sitting there and you're like, well, is that true? It, it, you know, is, is, is there books in the Bible that, that we left out? And is there other things that, that, that we need to know about that has been hidden from us? And so these are questions that people are asking. And, and I want, as your pastor, I want to really dive into some of these things and, and really look at them to, to help you. So that's what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks is really looking at some really probing questions that people are actually asking. Not, not just questions that maybe the church is asking, but actually questions that people in the world are asking, questions that maybe your grandkids are asking, your children are asking, people that maybe you have a desk next to and they know you're a Christian. And they say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And what I want to do is as believers in Jesus Christ, as we believe in the word of God as being the truth, Um, I want to be able to equip you not to beat people up with it, not to to come off as superior, like we know-it-alls, right? But to humbly, as the Bible says, give an answer for the hope that you have within your heart. Because people are wondering, and, and, and they do have questions. And when we deal with these things with the heart of Christ, with humility, not saying that we know everything, and when we're vulnerable and we say, you know, I don't have all the answers, but this I do know. And, I, and these are the things that, that I believe in. And begin to ask questions with people. Dialogue and conversations are going to open up so that you're able to talk about Jesus and why you follow him and why you believe he is the answer for our world today. And so that is my prayer for you is that, is that we don't come off as superior or we don't, you know, come off as cocky or really alienate people, but this would allow you to open up doors of conversation to get into people's lives so that, so that we can answer some of the questions that they have. Now, whether or not they agree with it or not is, is another thing, but at least for you, you, you're equipped and you can answer these things. And just as Peter said that we would do it 
we would give the hope that we have in our heart with humility and, and gentleness, and we would give them the answer for the reason why we have uh, the hope. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. So the first thing we're going to deal with today is, are all faiths equal? Now, this is a huge topic of conversation today in our world today, is, is, is are all faiths equal? Does everybody go to the same place? And, and basically, aren't, they, aren't basically all faiths just the same? Now, this is a very common belief in our world today that basically all faiths are the same. Now, um, how you answer this question is very, very vital in our world today. How you answer this question to your children, your your grandchildren or your coworker is vital today. When a Christian is talking about heaven and someone of the Latter-day Saints church or Mormon church or Jehovah Witness, are they talking about the same thing? Basically, are we talking about the same thing? When these groups are talking about Jesus, are we basically talking about the same thing? And whether you're Muslim or Hindu or, or basically, does everyone end up in the same place? We may see uh, uh, different things in a different way, but basically getting there, are we all ending up in the same place? And that's really a common view of our world today. In fact, um, Oprah uh, has a document, kind of a documentary, but it's a show called Belief on her uh, network own huge multi-part discussion on belief. And what she does is she, she goes into all the different belief systems around the world and basically looks at the commonality. And I watched an interview with Oprah just the other day. And let me quote what she says here about her show here called Belief on All Religions. She says, basically, we basically share the same thing. This is a direct quote from her. And she was talking about how we share love and compassion. Basically, all religions share the same thing of love and compassion, the interviewer said this, and I quote, the interviewer said this, hopefully that's enough. That just stuck with me. That just stuck, hopefully that's enough. Now, now what she's doing is she's going on a higher level of trying to say, can't we all get along? And let's just look at how we all share uh, love and compassion together. But the problem is, Um, you don't have to go very far to scratch underneath the surface to see that there are major differences. And what I want to do today is uh, become a college professor for you, okay? So it's going to be a little different. I may preach. I may get preachy. So so don't don't say, oh, man, uh, pastor, just going to teach today. But by all means, I'm not an expert on comparative religions. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take four major religions including Christianity, and compare different things that we believe about, such as heaven, such as the person of Jesus Christ, such as their holy scriptures that they hold true and, 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 and their concept of God. And so I've got a million bullet points, and that's this TV up here is going to help me uh, with you to help me teach also and give you all these bullet points. If you want to take notes, you're more than welcome to do it. I'm going to have them up here. They're going to be up on the screen for you. But, but let, let's pray because... Um, I I need your prayers because some of these topics are going to get really, really controversial in the upcoming weeks, especially when we talk about homosexuality and and other things. And, and, uh, you know, we really I really need your prayers because as your pastor, I want to handle these things with the wisdom of God so that we're able to understand what God is saying to us through his word so that we can find hope and healing in our lives and many of you that are personally uh, dealing and struggling with some of those things, maybe within in your own family. So, so let's just pray. Lord, we just need your wisdom and we need your help. 
Lord, I pray you keep us humble under your hand. You, you came into this world, Jesus, to save us. You came into this world to rescue us. And God, you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son. And so, Lord, I pray through these series that our hearts would be humbled, that it would equip us to go into this world with the truth because we know the truth is what sets people free. And, and what our discussion is about is what is the truth? We want to know the truth and to get to the bottom of this so that we know what we believe, so that we can share that and that others can hear the wonderful gospel message of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. And everybody said, amen, amen. So here's, here's, um, here's the question. So the question is, can we coexist? Um, is it like the old Coca-Cola commercial where everybody joined hands and, and it was sung, I'd like to teach the world to sing? And perfect harmony. How many remember that commercial like in the 70s? I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Oh, you guys are good. That sounded really good. Yeah, it's kind of like, is that, is that what it is? is? Is it, you know, let's join together. Or you see the, um, many of the bumper stickers out there that have all the different symbols of different religions. And it, it's, and it spells out coexist. Um, is that what it is? Can everyone just be Right. Another commonly held belief is this. As long as you sincerely believe what you believe, then it's okay. And so what we do is the problem is we equate sincerity with truth. And I can understand people saying, hey, can't we all just, you know, just join hands and sing in perfect harmony because, you know, we're sincerely believing this and it is about love and it is about compassion. Some of that stuff is true, but we have to get to the truth of it. What is the truth? And how many you know that you can sincerely believe something, but you can, can sincerely be wrong at the same time? And so we need to get this right because eternity hangs in the balance over this. Because the lie is this. As long as you believe something, then that's enough. But is it enough? And so we must get to the question. We must answer this correctly because at the end of the day, someone has to be right and someone has to be wrong. And this is what you're going to see when we compare these different religious beliefs. Because two plus two equals four, not six, not eight, not 10. The answer can't be anything I want it to be. It doesn't matter how sincere you are. The answer is still what? Four. So what I want to do is to give you a quick lesson, a quick overview on four major religions, including Christianity, and look at their major views concerning these four things that I talked about. And, and, and look at their source of truth and God and Jesus and eternity. And um, uh, my nephew's church that he's in Phoenix, a great study on this. I'm so thankful for them because it really helped me. Because when you get into comparative religions, it, how many you know, it gets deep. And so what I want to do is, is um, give you an overview so it doesn't get so deep that we get lost in, 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 in a lot of the mire. So I want to give you just an overview of four basic things that they believe. And what we're going to see is, do we actually believe the same thing? So are you ready? Are you ready? Okay. No. <laughs> Somebody said, no, I'm not. Okay. So here we go. First of all, let's look at our source of truth. Let's first look at Christianity. And this is our source of truth. And let's see what we teach about uh, uh, our holy scripture. Here's Christianity. Here's what we believe about the Bible. The Bible is made up of 66 different books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. It's written by 40 different individuals 
on three different continents over a period of 1,500 years. The main idea of our source of truth, the Bible, is that it's about salvation and God's redemptive plan for man. All through the scriptures from Old Testament all the way through the New is about God reaching out to man to redeem them from sin. We believe that man has fallen because of sin. And what God has done is he's placed a redemptive plan to purchase us back, which culminates into the person of Jesus Christ, who was perfect, who was God, who died for our sins. So the main figure uh, in this would be the person of Jesus Christ. And so the scripture that we have for this is 2 Timothy 3.16. And it says this, All scripture, Paul speaking here, is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for the training of righteousness. So we believe that all scripture is literally breathed out by God, that God used man as the human instrument inspired by the Holy Spirit so that you and I, the Bible that we have today is not man's signature, but it's the signature of the Holy Spirit breathed out by God. And we believe this is ultimate truth. We believe is it, there's no, uh, there's no error in it that when we follow it and we believe in it, we believe this is the very word of God. So now let's look at some other major world beliefs. Source of truth for Mormonism or the uh, uh, Latter-day Saints of the LDS Church is the Book of Mormon. Now their source of truth comes from this very book. Just south of Palmyra, not too far from here, Joseph Smith, who grew up there in the early 1800s, he is their founder. He claims that the angel Moroni appeared to him and showed him where to find these golden plates. So when you, this is very close to where we are because we live just miles from this place. And if you go by Hill Camora, right, you drive down Route 21, there's that hill. That's supposedly where Joseph Smith found these tablets. And um, that's where they gained their source of truth. So, which led him to write the Book of Mormon in 1830. Uh, And this book, they hold up with equal authority to the word of God. So they believe that this is another testament that helps complement the word of God that we have today. And so they would say this is another testament. And and what they do is they mention other people groups, um, especially the Native Americans, that they can trace their roots back to Israel, that Jesus actually came to America to preach to the Native Americans, which archaeology has no evidence of this whatsoever. And that also that DNA testing shows that none of the American Indians trace their roots back to Israel. They also use the doctrine of covenants. And what this does is this contains 138 revelations from God. Certain church leaders today can either add or delete from this book. Let's go to another major uh, world religion. That's the Jehovah's Witness. And what they have is for their source of truth is, is the New World Translation of the Bible. So we have different translations of the Bible, such as the ESV, NIV, King James Version, New King James. Their translation is called the New World Translations. And basically what this translation is scholars did was they did in making this translation was to change the word of God that we have 
by fitting their doctrine in instead of allowing the word to create the doctrine. So they have their teaching, their doctrine. And what they did was they skewed or they twisted the word of God in their translations to fit their belief systems. For instance, they translate the word cross to the word torture stake because they don't believe that Jesus died on the cross. They don't translate the word hell because they don't believe in hell. In John chapter one, uh, it says that Jesus was a God, not God. They don't believe that Jesus is equal with God and they don't believe in the Trinity. So there's a lot of monkey business going uh, going on with the translation of the word of God to fit their doctrine. And that's the new world translation. All right, let's look at Islam here. Islam uh, is their source of truth is the Quran. And they said that Muhammad received this book from the from the angel Gabriel, we see some comparisons there to, to our word. They believe this is uh, the only protected book by God uh, that has not been corrupted. So there's is the Quran. Let's look at the next major world religion, Hinduism. This is interesting. Uh, we're seeing a, a big resurgence in, in New Age, which has a lot of roots in, uh, in Eastern religion. Uh, the, the Bhagavad Gita is for them is the most precious jewel of, of uh, Hindu literature. It's a, what it basically is, it's an epic poem. It's a philosophical dialogue between the god Krishna and the warrior Arjuna. And so this is their teachings. And within their teachings, they have these, these Vedas. And these are primary texts written to explain, to appease the god. On top of that, they have the Upanishads. And what these are, these are the most important parts of the Veda meditation. And now, here's where many of you, if you don't understand that, many of you would, would, would know uh, about the teaching of karma, uh, which is part of the Upanishad, which is basically what goes around comes around. Yeah, whatever you put in, you're going to get back. If it's evil, that's what you're going to get back. And that's the teaching that they have of karma. So these are their major teachings uh, in, in, in their uh, writings. And so the next thing I want to look at is, is basically their concept of God. So here we have four major religions. We see their sources of truth. We see right now vast differences, don't we, already? Vast differences in the source of where they get their truth. Now, let's jump to the next one, and let's look at their concept of God, because what we're going to see is major differences in what we believe about the concept of God. So let's look at Christianity. In Christianity, what we see here is we believe that he is creator of the universe. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1.1. He is three in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which we uh, believe in the Trinity. Um, Actually, I'm going to do a whole message just on the Trinity in a couple weeks. Pray for me. I've never done a message on the Trinity, so this is going to be fun. I worked so hard on that message, but it's going to be fun because we're going to walk away and be more confused. Than we, no, we're going to walk away and we're going to really understand the Trinity and how we believe God three in one. And so uh, what, what, what we believe is, is, is that God is creator, that, that we believe in his omniscience, meaning God is, is all-knowing. He's omnipotent, means, meaning that he's all-powerful. 
And he's omnipresent, meaning we believe he is everywhere. But yet at the very same time, we believe God is, is very personal and he wants to know us personally. And that's a big distinction between other world beliefs, that we have this huge God that knows everything, that's all powerful, that can be everywhere at once, yet he wants to personally know his creation. Let's look at the next one. Let's look at, at Mormonism here, the LDS church. What they believe is they believe that God was once a man and then evolved into a God. Let let me quote to you uh, Joseph Smith, their founder, and what he said. Joseph Smith, the founder, said this. I wish to declare to you, I have always and in all congregations, when I have preached on the subject of the deity, it has been in the plurality of the gods, meaning plural gods. History of the church is where we get that quote from him. Brigham Young is the second uh, prophet of the LDS church. And and he's quoted by saying this, how many gods are there? I do not know, but there never was a time when there were not gods, plural, the journal of discourse. Now here's where it gets tricky. Where it gets tricky is if you were to ask a Mormon, if they believe in the father, son, Holy spirit, they would say, say yes, but they call this the triad. Now, now this isn't the whole truth because you dig a little bit Deeper, what, what, do, what they do not say is their belief is in actual three separate gods where we believe in one God in three. So let's look at the next one. Let's look at the Jehovah's Witness. Uh, Jehovah Witnesses, they believe in one God called Jehovah, and they do not believe in the Trinity. One God, do not believe in the Trinity, and they worship Jehovah God. For Islam... Uh, their, their God of the world in Islam is called Allah, and they also do not believe in the Trinity. Now let's look at Hinduism. What Hinduism does is they believe in Brahman, who is very powerful, but very impersonal. From Brahman emanates many gods, and they are called avatars. And so from him uh, emanates many gods, and they're called avatars. There's, there, there are estimated, they're not sure how many, but millions of gods in the world of Hinduism, which Jesus is one of them. And so, so far what we're seeing is, in our belief about God himself, are a plurality of differences already. So we already have a differences in the concept of our holy writings. We see differences in the way we believe about God. So you don't, here's the thing I want you to understand. You don't have to scratch too far under the surface to see that there are massed major differences in what we believe already. Now, the last two I want to touch on today are very important because this is critical. Um, What we believe about Jesus Christ and what we believe about eternity are critical because we, we, we can argue about these things about the Bible and our concept of God, and we can have these, these interesting um, dialogues. But the problem is, what do we believe about Jesus and what we believe about eternity is important, right? Um, because eternity now hangs on the balance. And, and our belief and what we believe about Jesus is, is all inclusive to what we believe about eternity, so if we don't have a correct understanding about Christ and what he came to do, that will affect our eternity. And so these last two are important. I want to spend a little time on here because this is what really, what I want you to understand, what separates 
what we believe in Christianity and with every other world belief is the teaching about Jesus Christ. And here's what I want you to understand this morning. This isn't what I believe. This isn't what I teach. What I want to give you is what Jesus says about himself. And so the problem that we have in the world today is we have a lot of people that are saying things about Jesus and what they think Jesus came to do. And a lot of people don't have problems so much with Jesus because they believe he came and he helped people and he's, he's a neat, nice God and maybe even a prophet and maybe even a teacher of God. But when you begin to elevate that to divine status, that we actually say that Jesus is God, that's where we all begin to separate. Because if we believe that Jesus is God, then we have to believe he's the one that we must worship. He is the only one that can actually forgive sin. So this is vital. So that's the reason why we have to understand the differences in world religions. Because when you begin to divert on the person of Jesus Christ, that's where we begin to separate. So let's look at, at what we believe in Christianity about Jesus Christ. Here's what we believe from the truth of God is that he is the only son of God. Let's all say that together. He is the only son of God. John 3:16 says for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So so what we believe about Christ is that he is part of this godhead of father, son, holy spirit, 3 in 1. What we believe about Jesus is that he was born of a virgin which fulfilled hundreds of uh, years of prof Old Testament prophecy. Uh, Matthew one twenty three says, the, the virgin will be with son, with child. We believe that he was perfect, that he had no sin and he became sin for us. Uh, we believe that he died on a cross and rose three days later, 1 Corinthians 15.3. Um, he is the only way to heaven. This is, this is a critical, critical verse. If you want to write this down is John 14. The chapter in John 14 is critical because this is what Jesus says of himself. This isn't what I'm saying. This isn't some misunderstanding of the person of Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus says this of himself in John 14, six, he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes unto the Father except through me. Now, 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 this is a pretty exclusive statement. So here's, here's, here's how I want you to follow this. The way we follow this is this. If Jesus claimed to be the truth, then we need to understand what he meant by that. And we need to check out the claims that Jesus made. Because if anyone claims to have said, I am the truth and I'm the only way to God, we need to understand it. And I love what C.S. Lewis says about this, that he's either a lunatic, a liar, or he's Lord. Jesus never gave us another option. Jesus never said, well, you can believe what you want. You can believe in other figures. He never said that. He says, he says I am God. I am Lord. I am the only way to the Father. The Father and I are one. So here's the question. Either he's a complete lunatic He's the best liar that we've ever seen on the face of this earth in history, or he actually is Lord. And the thing about Jesus Christ, when you begin to check out the claims he made, he validated everything he said. Through his miracles, uh, and, 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 and most obviously through his resurrection, that he conquered death. And when you go to Jesus' tomb in Jerusalem, guess what? 
millions upon millions of people go and look for someone who's not there. Right? Isn't that neat? That's pretty cool. He's not there. There's no body and they've never found it. Why? Because he is in heaven, that he is indeed uh, the son of God. And so that's important that we understand what Jesus says about himself and that he has uh, made these claims and proven them. Okay, let's look at Mormonism. Mormonism, uh, what we see is their doctrine of covenant says this about Jesus. And so I'm just quoting what their teaching is about, about Jesus. They believe Jesus is the firstborn of all the spirit children. And so what, what they believe is that Jesus is one of many gods, many children of which are millions, which, which him, he and Lucifer were brothers. Many people don't know that. But that's what they teach. They would say that they believe in our Jesus and that he is savior, but that our belief is incomplete and that the book of Mormon completes that. And so they would say salvation is only through Jesus, which we would agree. But according to Mormonism, salvation comes through faith in Jesus plus plus baptism in a Mormon temple plus works. So it's Jesus plus, okay? And then the belief about Jesus is skewed because they don't believe that he is actually God or equal with God, which once again separates us and which once again would affect your salvation. All right, let's look at the Jehovah's Witness. Uh, what they believe about Jesus is that Jesus was, was the first created son of Jehovah, that Jesus is not God or equal with God, that Jesus did not die on a cross, but on a stake. And here's what they teach. They believe that Jesus has already returned invisibly. Mind you, Jesus has returned invisibly in 1914. He defeated Satan in an, in an invisible mythical battle. Jesus is not the only way to heaven. And according to their own website, they say they do not worship Jesus, but Jehovah. Okay, so there's huge chasm there between what we believe and what the Jehovah's Witness believes. Okay, let's look at Islam. Um, for Islam, they believe that Jesus is one of many prophets, but not God. And so what they teach is that Jesus did not die on the cross. God made someone else to look like Jesus, and he actually died. Jesus did not die or raise from the dead. Jesus ascended to heaven without dying and that he is a great prophet, but not the only way to heaven. Let's look at Hinduism. Hinduism, what they believe, they believe Jesus is one of many sons of Brahman God, an avatar that can be worshiped. Jesus cannot atone for sin because he did not uh, rise from the grave, and Jesus is not the only way to heaven. Okay, so do you see the major differences with what the Bible teaches about Jesus and what we believe about Jesus and from other world religions? So once again, let me go back to my premise by saying this. Are we actually all the same so far? There's huge differences. And so what, what our world is trying to do today is they're trying to blend all these together and say, can't we just all get along? Can't we all just believe something? And isn't that enough? Well, I go back to the interview with Oprah when that person says, I hope that's enough. And so what we have to understand is, once again, 
This is not what we're teaching or what we believe. This is what Jesus said about himself. He said the only way to heaven is through him. So if he made that claim, then we need to check that claim out. And that's the truth. Now, do we do that um, with a hardened heart? And does that mean we don't tolerate anybody else? Not at all. What it should drive us to do is to love the world. And Jesus says that we need to go into all the world and present and preach this gospel message and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the command that God gives us. That's the great commission that he gives us to go into all the world and preach this truth. And we do it with humility and we do it in love. We do it with respect. We don't, you, you don't go out and you tear down other people's founding uh, fathers or whatever, because that you're going to alienate people. We want to bridge. We want to bridge that gap with love and respect and, 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 and be able to have open conversations and share the truth and allow the Holy spirit and the truth of God to change people's hearts and their understanding about Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay. And that's going to basically be our theme for this whole rest of our series. Okay. Now here's, here's the big kicker. What about eternity? What, what about heaven? What, what, what do all these different faiths believe about heaven and eternity? So let, let's look at a couple of these things. Let's look at um, eternal life when it comes to uh, Christianity. Here's what we believe. Uh, it's only obtained through Christ. And what was broken and lost because of sin is now restored through Jesus Christ. So here's the premise. In the beginning, when God created man and Eve, they chose to rebel against God, which brought sin into the world. And so because of that, there was an alienation between us and God, and that needed to be repaired. God's holiness needed to be appeased. And the only way that could be done is God had to do it for us. We couldn't do it ourselves. And so the scripture here, which I love, is Ephesians 2, 8, now. Look what it says. It's for what? By Grace, you've been saved through what? Okay, so Paul's going to get real specific here. He's going to say, it's by faith, and this is not of your own doing. This is not of your works. has nothing to do with you. This is a free gift that God gives us through his grace. And by our faith and trusting in God and what Jesus Christ has done for us, what's the the gift? He said, this is not of your own doing. This is a gift of God. And it's not the result of works so that no one may do what? Boast. And so what God did for us is what we couldn't do for ourselves. God sent us a savior in his son so that no one can boast. And it was a gift that he gave us. Um, look at the next passage here. First Timothy 2, 5, very important. It says, for there is what? One God and there is what? One mediator. Now, the Greek translation of one means one. Just let, let that sink in a little bit, okay? Just let it sink in, okay? Um, one meter between God and man, and who is that mediator? That one mediator, Paul says, it's Christ Jesus. So there's not multiple mediators. There's not, right here, this scripture, write this down. There's not many ways to God. There's one way, one mediator and that's jesus christ for this reason why is that you say well pastor that's so exclusive and why is that here's the reason why because jesus was god he was not a man and because he was god he was able to appease god and live a sinless life and be able to appease god's holiness 
and actually become a substitute for us and take on our sin so that we can find redemption. And so it's by God's grace and our faith in that belief that saves us. Okay, so let's look at, at Mormonism. Here's what they believe about eternal life. Basically, you are resurrected by grace, they would say, but you're saved and exalted to Godhood by good works. So what I mean by good works is that um, it, good works in their diet, such as they don't drink coffee or any kind of caffeinated beverages. Right there, many of you said, I would be out. That's it. That's, that's the deal breaker. I'm out. So, um, uh, but also it's through Mormon baptism, missions work, and temple rituals. So basically they, they believe in three levels of heaven and, and it depends on which level that you're going uh, to get into. And so here's their, here's their three levels uh, of heaven. There's telestial, terrestrial, and celestial. And the celestial, the third one, is the, the best one. That's the one you want to want to get into. And really, hell is really only reserved for the vilest offender and those who have walked away from Mormonism. So basically, you're going to end up in one of these three levels, depending on how well you did here on earth. They also have a thing that's very interesting that's called proxy or vicarious baptism. And this is a baptism for the dead. You can baptize those who have passed away. And that's why um, Mormons do extensive study on their family history uh, because they can baptize for the dead so they're able to go uh, into heaven. In fact, there was a, um, there was a, a, a young man, a story I've heard about, that was baptized 100 times in one day for those who passed away in his family. And that's why many Mormons spend hundreds, if not thousands of hours um, tracing their family and going back uh, in their heritage to be baptized for them. So basically, when you're baptized, you become a type of Savior uh, for them. Let's look at the Jehovah's Witness here. Um, they believe uh, that you spend it in, in one of three places. They believe that the 144,000, they have a really bad uh, interpretation of the book of Revelation of the 144,000, which they believe those are the anointed ones that go to heaven. Uh, we see that as Israel, but they see that the tribes of Israel, they completely misinterpret that. But they see it as 144 anointed will reign in heaven for eternity. The rest of the faithful of the Jehovah's Witness will live forever on earth. And um, those uh, who do not get into one of those two places, um, uh, those who are not will be destroyed by Jehovah and basically cease to exist. They're just annihilated. They have no concept of hell. Uh, it's something that Satan made up. And, and we know that the Bible is very clear that uh, God created hell for the devil and his angels. All right, let's look at Islam. Islam here, very simple, very simple about eternity. There's either eternal paradise or eternal hell for those who um, reject. Allah weighs out them all. You can't be completely sure of your eternity. Radical Islam with suicide bombers, uh, by doing that, they think and they know that they feel for certain and their families will be able to go to paradise for their work for Allah. Um, and it all hinges on keeping the five pillars of Islam. Even Muhammad wasn't sure whether or not he would make it into paradise. And this is a great way to, to witness and to share the hope that you have. Maybe if you have a, a, someone uh, that is a Muslim friend of yours, um, we can be certain because it's not based on our performance. 
And so this is a great witnessing tool to reach out to a Muslim friend that we can be sure because it's not based on our works. It's based on what Christ has already done for us. And then let's look at Hinduism. Everything is based on reincarnation or karma. You either go up or down, uh, good up, bad down. Uh, Most Hindus believe that they have many, many more lives to live. The goal is hopefully to merge into the Brahmin. And at the end of this insanity of this cycle, the, the, the goal really is not heaven. So it's this, if you do bad, you're going to be reincarnated to live as a ant or something else. And, and hopefully you can make up for it. And, and you're doing this whole circle, circle, circle to finally, maybe you can become a Brahmin. And so it's this endless cycle of what I do and what I do and what I do and what I don't do and so, so on and so forth. So here's, here's what I want you to see with all these things. What's the big idea? What is the, what is the big idea? Let me illustrate it this way. I brought a, a ladder, a step ladder. I brought a small one because I'm not good with big ones. So I brought a nice small ladder for myself because Big ladders scare me. Um, Here's here's the big idea. And this is what I want you to take away from all this. Basically, as we've gone through this whole thing, are all faiths the same? No, they're not. They're not. And and so so the easy conformist and let's all just coexist for many is the answer. That's the easy answer. But in reality, we're all different. And so what's the issue? Here's the issue. Whether it's in Buddhism trying to reach nirvana um, or Mormonism trying to reach the celestial heaven or the Hindu believing you will be reincarnated and paying for your mistakes or you'll have something better. Or in Islam, your hope is that maybe your good outweighs your bad and you did everything that you were supposed to do based on the five pillars of Islam. Here's what I want you to see. Every single one of those religions is about trying to go up. It's about trying to go up to God by what I do. Every single one. So if there is a commonality of all those other world religions, except Christianity, all of them are trying to reach God by how I do and, and trying to, did I do enough? Did I do enough? And, and so they're trying to dig, get this step ladder to heaven. They're all trying to go up. But in actuality, here's what's interesting. God actually came down to meet us right at the point of our need. That the incarnation of Jesus is the most incredible thing in the, in the history of the world. That God actually came in the form of man, fully God, fully man, to live among us, to show us back to God and to actually die on a cross. He can, the Bible says that he can actually sympathize with all our weaknesses because in every way he is tempted as you and I are yet without sin. We have a perfect, faithful savior that came down to reach us. They're all trying to go up when God came down and became one of us, fully God, fully man at the same time. He's reaching down to actually bring us up. Now, if if you're in the ocean and you're in the middle of the ocean and you're drowning, you need someone to reach down and pick you up, right? You're not going to save yourself. You're going to eventually die. And so with all these other world religions, they're just floating 
in the midst of an ocean trying to reach up and, 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 and hopefully um, doing enough to make it where God says, I'm going to reach down and my life preserver, my life saver, I just had that in my pocket. That was a cool illustration. God is so good. I didn't even mean to do that. Sometimes I surprise myself. Okay, so I should have gave every single one of you a lifesaver so you remember this. God ends up giving us the lifesaver through his son, Jesus Christ. He is our life preserver. We're going we're gonna to drown on our own and our own knowledge. And God knew that. And so he sends us his son to rescue us. So what's the difference? Here's the difference. The commonality in world religions depends on something you do. Christianity is based all on what Jesus has already done for you. Isn't that great? So now there's not this um, worriedness and did I do enough? And did my good works outweigh my bad works? Um, let me just say this. For those of you that are struggling in your walk with God, um, all of us are imperfect. Can I get an amen? amen? And as we accept Christ by faith and we walk in his grace, I want you to know this. Some of us are so worried, like, did I do it perfectly? Am I doing it right? Let me just say this. The blood covers that all. The blood of Christ covers all that. We are covered in Christ in his works and his righteousness. Even though we're going to make mistakes and we're not going to be perfect, Christ covers all that. So therefore, as Paul said in Romans, therefore there is no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And my prayer for you is that would give you a freedom and a hope to help you to overcome your guilt and condemnation, maybe from your past or maybe feeling that you haven't done enough. Let me read this final scripture to you and then we're going we're gonna to wrap things up here. I love this scripture. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. It says this. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, Paul speaking to the Philippians, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above Every name. Every name. He's exalted over because of his faithfulness and because of his humility. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. That every single tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father so that every so that every 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 tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord now um, for those of you that want to do some further study a great book one I love I just reread it again 
um, is by Ravi Zacharias. It's called Jesus Among Other Gods. Ravi Zacharias actually grew up in India, um, and, and uh, his salvation experience and his testimony is just incredible as an 18-year-old young man. Um, but he travels around and speaks in colleges and universities. Just a prolific writer, uh, and, and his testimony is incredible for his faith in Jesus Christ. I actually saw that they put out a youth edition to that book also for you parents who would like to maybe read that with your children too. But Ravi Zacharias, Jesus Among Other Gods, I couldn't, I couldn't highly recommend it any more highly than any other book that I've read on the uniqueness of Jesus Christ and why Jesus is unique amongst all these other gods. Fabulous, fabulous writing. But here's what I want to do for you. I want to I pray for you today. And um, my, my prayer for you today is this, is, is that we would see that Jesus is unique. There is something very special about Jesus Christ. That even at the mention of his name, as we sang earlier, demons have to flee. And here's the reason why. Because he's God. He is the one that God has sent to rescue men from their sins. And so he's the one that we believe. He's the one that we trust. And when we do this and when we share the love of Christ, may it humble our hearts. May we be like Christ. That's why Paul said, you know, let's be like him. Let's become servants. Let's serve those in the world. Let's look, let's look for ways to be servants and to, and to humbly share that message of Jesus. Let, let's, not, let's not just get into arguments with other people. The worst thing you could ever do is when you're talking to somebody of a Mormon faith or Jehovah's Witness and just said, you know, I did, my pastor just preached on this and I got my bullet notes. Do you know what you believe? Right? That, how many you know that's not going to work? That's going to just, you know, you're going to repel people and you're not... Here's what you do. Can I just say what? Here's what you do. Ask questions. Ask questions. Just say, what do you believe about Jesus? That's interesting. What do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? And they'll, they'll share. They'll love to share it. And then what you begin to do is you can have that commonality of a friendship, right? That commonality of a friendship that you've built with them because you've asked questions. And then what you've done is you've built a platform to speak into their lives. And you can say, well, here's, here's you know, they'll ask, well, what do you believe about Jesus? And now you can share, here's what I believe about Jesus. And you can share your testimony on how Christ changed your life. And you can talk about the word of God. And you can, this is why I believe Jesus is the only way. And so that, then, you have this, uh, that, then you have this bridge that you've built and not just throwing stones at each other. Don't get defensive. You don't have to get defensive. Guess what? Jesus is the one that does the saving anyways, right? It's the Holy Spirit that convicts. So stop trying to be the Holy Spirit and convict people. Holy Spirit does a great job all on his own doing that stuff, okay? You just be the messenger. And, and you be the ambassador for Jesus. You do it just as Philippians 2 tells us. We do it just like Christ, that, that we serve people and we have a servant's heart. And I guarantee you'll have many, many great conversations with people and able to share what you believe about Jesus Christ. Amen.